What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is the OBR Film Breakdown. This is your Thursday, October 6th episode. And a little bit of a disappointment if you're a regular schedule appreciation type, as unfortunately Jordan Zerman and I couldn't connect. We had to cancel late tonight, so no new guest and wanted to provide a different uh, voice, right? Sometimes my voice every single day, it's it's good to get a different voice. So I'm going to share the uh, OBR Weekly with Fred Greetham and Barry McBride. That'll come up here in a minute. Uh, other things of note, two things that I think are worth noting before I shift over and let the guys take over on this episode today. Miles Garrett back, which is very important, right? He's come back to practice. He was not on the injured list at all. So that's a very positive step for him playing this weekend, as we thought he would. Still looks kind of bruised up. We'll see what it looks like this week. But I mean, to not be on the injury report, it'd have to be a late week issue, which could happen. But I don't really foresee that happening. He's trending toward playing. The other thing, although relatively minor, pretty cool to me they're breaking out the color rush uniforms for this weekend against the chargers which i like those uniforms they're they're kind of um they don't have the striping down the side the way the other color rush did back in like 2019 but i i do generally like the all brown and that's a uniform they wore in dallas last year i believe so not an all too common uniform but it'll be a nice change of pace and a great opportunity for the browns to get back on the right side of things and pull everybody back in from these two not just they weren't just uh like ugly they were brutal losses games you you really left thinking they should have won so um yeah I, th- I like I said unfortunately the guest canceled today we couldn't get it through with Jordan it happens every now and again but that doesn't mean we can't put out an episode and I think the guys did a great job on Twitch last night so I am going to shift over and allow them to run this episode so appreciate you guys stopping to check in today and uh, hanging out and listening to Barry and Fred who I think do a great job let's get over to them right now have a great Thursday everybody No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250k in cash alone. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to 5 player props even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code, OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to the Rock of the OBR podcast lineup, video stream lineup, whatever you call this, OBR Weekly. And Fred and I are back for OBR Weekly for October 5th, 2022. And uh, we are here to talk about what happened last Sunday, uh, which was not a good thing, and to talk about what will happen next Sunday, which hopefully will be much better. But as always, uh, I am OBR publisher Barry McBride, and with me, the legendary beat writer of the OBR, Mr. Fred Greedham. How's it going, Fred? We're ready to go. Bounce back from a, a long weekend, but, you know, hope springs eternal with this crew. They win games they shouldn't win, and they lose games they shouldn't lose. So 
Absolutely. That gives you hope for this week. Absolutely. Yeah, there, uh, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned uh, about this week. Um, you know, most uh, notably Mr. Justin Herbert. But let's talk a little bit about um, first, um, you know, some developments today out at uh, out in Berea. Um, we have a, a situation where Miles Garrett, of course, got in a car wreck. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he is now back at practice today and uh, essentially uh, at least did walkthroughs. Did he do anything more than, than walkthroughs, Fred? Well, Barry, I could tell you, but we can't watch anything past <laughs> individuals. I put a video out showing that he didn't just stand there and watch. He actually right. did did the drill where you kind of run around the dummy. Um mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he did a lot. He didn't stretch. If you looked on the video I sent, I don't know if I sent, there was one, they were all stretching and he was kind of stretching differently, but then he did run with them. He kind of was putting on a show the media. He usually never is that close to us. He's usually on the other end and he was the closest to us today. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of trying to show that he's back and so forth. But, you know, it's, it's kind of mixed bag. Obviously he's probably your best player and you need him back. But I mean, there's part of me that I'd like to see a little fire almost with Stefanski or somebody saying, you know, because you did that, you put us in a bad situation and hurt the team. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to sit out this week, you know, but maybe, maybe you hit him in the wallet or something, you know, we'll never hear that. And I'm sure they won't do that, but you know, that's some of the things you'd like to see. You were, we were talking off air about the coaching, you know, being on a hot seat and this and that, but right. it just doesn't seem there's any fire in this organization. Everything's just even keel, no matter good, bad, whatever. And the players are kind of like that too. They don't get so upset when they lose, you know, or, you know, and it's, and it's, I don't know how to react to that. I think fans take losses harder than they do. Well, the fans definitely take the losses very, very hard. Um, you know, after last week's uh, performance, as we were doing the post-game show, uh, I got a lot of grief because I was not uh, fired up enough, you know, namely, you know, calling for heads to get chopped off and things like that. So folks get very, very upset and, you know, reasonably so. They put a lot of faith and a lot of their hopes in this, into this team. Um, we have uh, uh, also Jadavian Clowney, uh, who apparently did nothing today. Is that right? Did not see him. We were told he wouldn't practice. He hasn't been out on the field, um, you know, at least in the open port part of practice. There are some guys that come out after we leave, but we don't know that. Um, right. Nothing's reported on it, but you know, I'm a little, di- I'm, I'm disappointed in the guy again. You know, it's like, he's so fragile. It seems yeah. like a guy that big and strong, you gotta be kidding me. You're always sidelined with injuries. And that's, that was the knock on him. Why a lot of teams wouldn't give him the big money and the big contract. There's no question. He's got talent, but the best abilities availability. I've heard that over and over and over. And you know, that he got hurt against the Jets and whether it was just wishful thinking or whatever, but I remember Miles um, Garrett right after the game saying that he he thought that Clowney would play on Thursday night, you know, and so that told me that he saw him and he didn't have a high ankle sprain and, and he probably told him, I'll be good, I'm fine, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen him now since September 18th, other than I've seen him in the locker room walking around. I did not see him today, but I saw him last week with tennis shoes on both feet. And usually, you know, you have a boot or a wrap or something if you're, and he wasn't limping. So, you know, the answer we got out of Stefanski, do you expect him to practice this week? I hope so. You know, oh, my. So, yeah, that's, that's helpful. Yeah. So, you know, again, if he's not out there tomorrow, 
I'd probably say he's not going to play. I don't know. Yeah, It's just, you know, these guys, you know, if he was getting $2 million bonus for getting one more sack and it was the last game, I bet you he'd play. Because you remember last year in that meaningless Bengal game? Right. He got whatever he needed to get his bonus, you know. He was mm-hmm. he was possessed in that game. He, he had a, like a strip sack and recovered a fumble. You know, I just – I get a little frustrated with some of these guys. There's you – know, Yeah. Yeah, it needs a very incentive-laden contract, it seems, to uh, to stay in the lineup. But, uh, you know, as pointed out, uh, you know, by uh, uh, Riffer X here, um, did look like a pretty nasty sprain when he got it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can't judge. We're not doctors. We're not looking at his ankle. But uh, it does get very, very frustrating. Hey, one thing I want to point out, uh, I am remiss in not mentioning it earlier is that um, while I have some questions and things I want to talk to Fred about, this is really your show. Uh, you know, we really rely on your questions and your comments to drive the show. Um, and so if you've got anything you want to talk about, please feel free to, to hit us up uh, in the chat room and I will mark them and we will come back to them. And uh, that will be the center of our program. So uh, please make up for my uh, typically crappy preparation and, uh, uh, bail us out with your questions and comments. Would appreciate it. Um, so we've we've got uh, Garrett, we've got Clowney, uh, both uh, dinged up. What do you think the probability is that we're going to see either one of those guys this weekend? Well, I would I would expect Garrett to play. I mean, he practiced today, even though it was limited. I would think that that's a positive sign if he's out there that he's yeah he wanted to play last week and they held him out. I mean, I don't know. I saw him, he had tape on his, you know, hands and he had kind of like, it looked like a minor brace or something on his shoulder. I think that's what it was, but good night. I mean, (laughs) these are the games you need, you need to stay afloat, you know? So I would expect him to play. I mean, I don't know yeah. about Clowney. I mean, I don't know how to gauge it. We get no information and we don't really, you know, they don't tell you anything. You had the positive Taven Bryan, who I expected maybe was going to IR or something because I hadn't seen him do anything. Um, he was on the bike Friday with a hamstring and obviously didn't play. He was out there practicing today and Grady Williams was back. So you had mm-hmm. three guys that, you know, should be able to contribute, you know, on the defense and the defense needs all they can, you know, all they can get the help right now. So you, I think Garrett will make a big difference. Teams don't have to game plan if one of them guys are not in there. And if both of them aren't in there, it's even worse because they're yeah. not afraid of Tommy Togiai and Jordan Elliott and Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas, you know, and so, the depth they thought they signed with Steven Weatherly at defensive end and Chase Winovich are both out, you know, on injured reserve with, with injuries. So, right. You know, this is what happens, you know, you get tested over and over with your depth. And so, you know, probably unless Clowney's a hundred percent, they don't want to risk losing him for the season, but um you know, I would think I would think that Garrett would play this week. I don't know why not. Yeah, I certainly certainly hope so. Uh, he was very lucky in that accident. Hopefully, he has learned from that, uh, as we talked a little bit about last week. Um, you know, in addition to Garrett returning, there's another guy who is back in Berea, uh, not on the practice field, I don't believe, but uh, Deshaun Watson is now able to be back in Berea. Uh, with the team, uh, can you, or October tenth, next Monday. October tenth, next Monday, next Monday. Okay. Yeah, the timeline so, is he can come back into the building Monday, October tenth, and okay. rejoin in team meetings and those type of things. He can't practice or anything. November fourteenth, right. he can pr- start practicing, and then of course. The first game he can eligible to play is against the Texans. I think it's December 4th. So they're hitting these benchmarks and it's 
approaching very rapidly. I mean, Monday, I mean, I think it'll be a positive. I would assume if he's in the building, I don't know how it works, but I don't think they'd let him return if he hasn't been meeting with his, you Mm -hmm. know, his counseling that, you know, I know Adam Schefter made a big deal that the NFL has to sign off or a third party has to sign off that he's meeting, you know, with these counselors and, and getting all that stuff. So I would think that he would probably have it ongoing, but I don't think he would be allowed back with the team if he hasn't done something to that end, you know, right. at least started the process. So it is a benchmark. Obviously quarterback hasn't been the issue. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I think ESPN had him ranked as the ninth best quarterback overall in the NFL through four games and Baker Mayfield's like 32nd, you know? So I thought it was going to be, I thought Mayfield was a better option at least during Watson's out, but, but it looks like I was wrong on that. So kudos to Brissett. But with that said, I'm going to make this statement. If Watson would have been playing, I think they'd be four and zero. I think really? he would have done a lot more than Brissett did, even though he did everything I would think. I think he would have brought enough. You know what they lose three points the other day. Obviously the defense, mm-hmm. but they would have put up a lot more points. They would have right. at least put up more than three. And the Jets game, I think they'd have scored more. And even though at the end we know what happened, yeah, I really do. I I mean. And I'm just saying because I, I think he's that difference maker. You know, Brissett's been really solid. Right. That's just right. my take. Obviously, there's no way to prove it. But so that being said, they just got to get this defense corrected. You know, you think about last year, about this time, they were put given 47 points to the Chargers and mm-hmm. and the Cardinals and in the first six games, three times, I think they gave up over 40 points, something like that. So, you know, the disappointment is, is you thought you got that out of the way in the first part of last year, getting Joe Woods and all those new guys together this year, you got them all back and everybody's talking about picking up where you left off. Mm -hmm. Well, because at the end of the year, they're playing pretty good. Right. They surely haven't done that. And the secondary has been disappointing, you know, for the most part to me, but the run game, you know, was very disappointing the other day, obviously, you know, Clowney and Garrett make a big difference, but still, you know, they got to, they got to play much better than that. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, We can talk about that a little bit, um, you know, as we're getting into this here, but uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, is that uh, there was an article uh, that I covered in the Newswire this morning. I went off on a little bit of a rant about it uh, because the article basically said, hey, Stefanski's seat is getting hotter, right? And I just think it's an oversimplification at this point. Yeah, I mean, some of those play calls were debatable. Some of the decisions were debatable. Uh, but that isn't the reason that they've lost both, you know, two games against opponents that they should they should beat. And I just think it's an oversimplification to, you know, point the finger at Stefanski uh, and say, oh, it's all your fault. Um, do you think, Fred, that Stefanski's seat's getting any hotter at this point? I don't think so. I think I think him and Andrew Barry are on the same page with everything. They're in lockstep. I think. Paul D. Podesta is also, and they are, let's say this, they're not emotionally, uh, you know, they, they remind me of the Indians front office. You ever hear them or the guardians, you hear them talk, they use these big words and, you know, they, they sound like they're Harvard educated and they are, you know, it almost, that's kind of how the, instead of, you know, being like rah, rah football, men they're more like well you know you know in the big legalese wording and they just seem to be calculated and all on the same page unless Mm -hmm. it comes from higher up like uh jimmy haslam you know gets involved and says i've had enough i'm tired of the play calling. i'm tired of this i don't 
see it happening. Look at how they've handled the front, you know, the coaching staff. This is unprecedented in my time covering. I cannot see the continuity. This is the third year they've had everybody the same. There might have been a minor adjustment on the staff, but nobody's fired. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're calling a press conference to fire the defensive coordinator or the offensive coordinator, you know, all that stuff that we always had going. And I mean, continuity is good to some degree. And, and it's also good, I guess, that all these guys want to come back, but it's not good that nobody's really doesn't seem like anybody else is seeking to, you know, bring them, you know, to hire him as head coach or assistant coach or right, right. or whatever. So I don't, I don't know how to, but I just don't, they just don't seem to have the temperament to make changes like that unless it's at the end of the year. And then they put out a release saying we made this move. They don't really explain anything. We never talk to the general manager, you know, and mm-hmm. um, we might have a mid season buy thing. But, you know, by then there's so much to cover. It's just big stuff. And the owners, same thing. They usually appear in August and that's about it, unless there's a firing after the season. So, I mean, you want them not involved, but you don't really know. I mean, we can see how upset the fans get. Obviously, Stefanski doesn't act very upset about things or, you know, they all have the same temperament on the sideline. But... I don't know how the owner's handling, you know, Mm -hmm. is he, is he really hot? Is he like, Hey, this is fine. We're just gonna write it out. I totally trust these guys. So a lot of people don't want him to get involved because what we've seen, there's no guarantee you're going to do any better. Yeah. Uh, I don't want him involved. (laughs) That's for, that's for sure. Uh, I've seen what happens when he gets involved and it's usually, Usually not good. Uh, add, uh, ask Rob Chudzinski about that. Um, at any rate, uh, we can uh, we can continue to return to that as the weeks go on. Um, we're getting some questions. If you are uh, hanging out with us tonight, thank you. Uh, if you're in YouTube, please hit that thumbs up button. That helps us get wider distribution on the YouTube network and helps more people see us. Uh, if you're in Twitch, uh, we're very happy to have you there. And feel free to hit us up in the comments on either platform. And we will see your comments and save the questions for a little bit later in the show. Uh, I got to say something, you know, I really appreciate the people who, who are here tonight. Uh, you know, we don't have our largest crowd of the season here tonight. In fact, it's one of the smaller crowds of the season. And that's really a question I have for people in the chat, people hanging out with us here. Um, we've, I've seen over this last week, it just seems like interest in the team after that Atlanta game and even heading into the Atlanta game a little bit after the Pittsburgh, you know, the long weekend from Pittsburgh, uh, has really, it's really diminished on the part of the fans. I'm not seeing the the amount of chatter, uh, that I typically do, uh, after about this point in the season. I'm just wondering why, you know, is it, uh, just discussed with how the team played on Sunday, is it uh, the Guardians, perhaps, uh, attracting people's interest or uh, people, uh, they're good shows on TV? I don't know what's going on. I really don't know what's going on. But it seems like a lot of fans are upset and just not paying attention right now, Fred. Um, well, I, I don't know if you get that. What's your theory? Well, I've seen this before because it's almost like with the baseball team, the Guardians, you know, I just think all year everybody was didn't want to get their hopes up. And they just didn't believe that they were going to do anything. Mm -hmm. And even here, right to the end, I don't think they had big attendance. I expect them to pack it out for the playoffs. But with the Browns, I just feel like everybody has seen now this up and down stuff. And they know what's coming. The next seven games are against playoff bound type teams. And if you can't beat the Jets and you can't beat the Falcons and you barely beat the Panthers and the Steelers are down, you're feeling like, why do I get my expectations up? Now they come out here and hammer the Chargers. I guarantee you everybody will be excited again. Mm -hmm. And 
but it's their level of play. They're not giving you a reason for optimism. Um, I said it before the season, they really have to be, you know, at least get five wins, six preferable to have a chance to at the end of the year. I mean, they really could get buried here in these next few games and have no chance and the season's right. over. Like I said, they, they missed a golden opportunity. I wrote about it the other day, four winnable games. They should have been at worst three and one. And that got you three, three out of the five right out of the gate or right. four out of the five, but they, now they're sitting there with two and now you have a gauntlet of seven games. Sure. The chargers have a little bit of banged up and, and the Patriots a little bit, but, and anybody can beat anybody. And you've seen that there's, it doesn't look like there's anybody really invincible, you know, mm-hmm. a team wins. And then the next week, like the Browns, it just seems like it is so pair equal throughout the league that it's who's playing the best at the end of the year. You remember last year, the Bengals didn't look very good when the Browns hammered them down there. Yeah. They got on a roll at the right time, won the division, went to the Super Bowl. So you really want to be playing your best in November, December, but you cannot get buried here in the early part of the season. So I'm confident in watching these guys enough. They're going to win a couple of these games that people think there's no way they're going to win. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably lose a game or two that you're saying, how in the world did they lose to them? But right. I think that's what it is. There's some apathy there thinking, I get my hopes up. I mean, I had a family member text me right after the game. Why do I keep investing to this embar- in, in my emotions in this embarrassing team? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how a lot of people, I think, feel. They get excited with the Steeler win, and then they go out there and get beat by an inferior Falcon team that really didn't have their, you know, they had the guys that beat them, let's fake. It wasn't their quarterback, their star running back, their star tight end or wide receiver. It was their running back from the practice team. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know and you're going, are you kidding me? I know you're down a player or two. But here's your chance. Step up and make a play. We've heard, you know, that that we had good depth and didn't see it. So I just think it's that emotional down. They're waiting mm-hmm. to see what's going to happen, you know, this week, but especially the next two weeks. you got to win one of these two for sure. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and let's let's talk about the Chargers game here shortly. But, uh, you know, I agree with you. You know, that's sort of the good news here is that there aren't people running away with the AFC. There's only three teams with a winning record in the AFC. They're all three and one. You know, everybody's two and two, it seems, right? I mean, this is Pete Rozelle's dream come true of parody across the league. And uh, I, I went into a rant uh, about that on uh, the Newswire a couple of days ago. And I think the NFL is structured so that there's only three things that can create a long-term winner. One is having an exceptional personnel group, an exceptional coach, or an exceptional quarterback. Everything else is, you know, evened out through the way the draft is structured, the way the salary cap and free agency is structured, the way you do compensatory picks, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, most of it is, you know, just smashed into this level of mediocrity across the NFL. But that's good news for us because we're one of the two and two teams. So we're not out of it yet. 
but we better win one of these next two, uh, as Fumble yeah. 13 said in the chat. Um, so it's let's like Vegas, you know, Vegas wants everybody betting 50, 50, both sides, you know, mm -hmm. so they, they end up winning and that's what the NFL wants. It's a, it is frustrating when you have, or you think you have a good roster, a good team, you know, like where you live in Menor. I, I pretty much guarantee they know every Friday night they're going to win. You know, mm -hmm. there's only a game or two a year. They, they don't not sure they're going to win. And Ohio state, the same thing, but with the NFL, every time you think, you know, you, you can't, you got to white knuckle it as a fan every week with the Browns, you never know if, you know, they're going to, they can play the worst team and lose. They can play the best team and they can win. And right. it's, you know, it's around the league like that. And I guess sometimes you just wish the better team just always won. Right. And so you got rewarded more for building your team. But yeah, you're right. I mean, everything is salary cap. Everything's made. So you really can't get a legitimate advantage over another team. Yeah. And I, I think part of the uh, the reason that fans are a bit down right now is we just got our butts kicked by uh, Caleb freaking Humphrey. You know, how embarrassing is that? Uh, a guy you never heard of came in and dominated the second half and made us look like Rutgers against Ohio State. It was really, really depressing. But uh, I just want to thank the people who are here tonight because I know you guys are hardcore week in, week out people, and uh, we love you for it. And thank you for being here. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the things I saw today was a little scaremongering clickbait out there about the Browns injury list. Um, Five of the players on the injury list were Betonio uh, with biceps and rest, Harrison Bryant with an illness, Clowney with his ankle, Amari Cooper, who is resting, and David Njoku, who has the knee thing and was resting. Other than Clowney, wouldn't you think that all four of those guys are going to play? You know, I'm not panicking over people resting uh, at this <laughs> point in the week, you know? Yeah, I don't know what report you're talking about, but yeah, I mean, my report just said, yeah, the last two weeks, Joe Batonio has sat out Wednesday. He's got a minor bicep injury. He hasn't missed a snap in the last two games, kind of like J.C. Treader. J.C. Treader was, was limited or didn't practice all week when he was here, and then he, he did a walkthrough on Friday, and he played every snap on Sunday. Batonio does have some bicep injury, but he hasn't missed a snap. He's going to play. He's been taking off. They have him off on Wednesday. Amari Cooper, it looks to me like Wednesday is his off day. He wasn't out there today. That's mm -hmm. the second week in a row. He has been rested. And with him, they just say rest. They don't say anything. This is the second week in a row. David Njoku has said knee slash rest. So he's obviously got something going on with his knee, but He's not missing any time. Now, Brian's got an illness. We don't know what kind of illness it is. You know, right. we always assume if somebody's ill, they're only going to miss a day. But I, I, I've had illnesses where I've been sick for a few days. Depends on what it is. But I don't think it's an injury or anything. And I assume that, you know, he'll be back, um, if not tomorrow, by Friday. And Clowney's the only one in that I see right now, you know, as far as injury, Greedy Williams, if he's ready to go, he says, you know, that he'll play. Now Stefanski said the same thing. He's looking to see how, how he comes out of the week. So I think you'll get him back. I don't know about Brian. I mean, he was limited today, mm -hmm. but I would think that, that he was out there on Wednesday bodes well. So I think the biggest question in my mind right now would be Clowney. Maybe Garrett, maybe they'll hold him out. But I thought if they were really planning on holding him out, I, I was I'd be pretty sure he wouldn't have practiced today. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that's now they've been doing with Conklin. He's been practicing on Wednesday and then Thursday he's been setting out and everybody's going, Oh no, he's not playing. Well, that's they let him rest after a practice. So 
you really don't know till Friday. Usually the guys that are out there on Friday are the guys that are going to play. Yeah. And if they're not practicing Friday, they're not going to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cleveland Browns uh, against the Falcons, as I mentioned, um, really struggled uh, in the uh, in the second half against the run. Fred, um, there's a couple of different people who are getting blamed for that, right? Uh, Joe Woods is getting blamed for not adjusting however he was supposed to adjust to that, um, you know, getting gashed up the middle. Uh, of course, our interior defensive linemen uh, are taking some of the heat, uh, as is Andrew Barry for not fortifying the, the interior defensive line. But the interior defensive line looked pretty good when Clowney and Garrett were in there, didn't they? Um I've, I've read, I'm not one of these guys who sits there and studies X's and O's, you know, all day, day long. Uh, I've read in that the popular assessment that both Clowney and Garrett are good run defenders. Do you think that if we get Clowney and Garrett back, that problem with the interior defensive line, that problem with getting gashed with the run basically goes away because those guys are back in the lineup? Or do you think we, we really have to do something on that interior defensive line? Well, I think it helps um, just because they usually put two guys on Garrett and, and I didn't think they had to put more than one guy, you know, on any of the guys the other day. So um, it frees up the linebacker. And I think, you know, one of missing in the equation was Anthony Walker. He'd really been pretty active Mm -hmm. and he had been filling those holes in the run game and making plays. Now, Jacob Phillips, you know, that was his first game you know, where it was all on him. He seemed to be active, but I didn't see him making the stops, you know, in the gaps. Um, yeah, it'll help um, with Miles Garrett back. I think that, you know, we talked about it. We can't figure it out. They just have not made a concerted effort or being concerned about the defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. You know, if you remember last year, you just got a couple guys, Malik McDowell, Malik Jackson, you know, right. a one-year, 32-year-old, and, a, and a, a guy who had been out for a while. They both then return, and you just – now you have the third-year guy, third-round pick, Elliot. Okay, it's your turn. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like Togi I right now is the answer. Uh, Taven Bryan been doing okay. I think he's probably grading out about the best. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that hurt. So that shows you how thin you are there. Now, even with that game the other day, they're still in the middle of the pack statistically. I think they're 17th in the NFL. Right. That's about where they finished last year. They're not that, they just don't seem to be that concerned about that. The And I wouldn't be either if they were shutting down on the back end in the passing game, but they haven't been that great in the passing game. Mm-hmm. So, you talk about that. It'd be interesting. The Chargers are known for their passing. They're number one in the NFL passing. They're number 32, dead last in running. They That's just, right. They just throw the ball. They're, they're averaging 64 yards a game running the football. It's like two yards a crack. I mean, that's, yes. that's you know, beyond poor. So mm-hmm. they have to look at that film and say, hey, if we're ever going to get our running game going – this is the week. So will you will you see if the Browns, you know, just say, we're not going to worry about your running game. We're just going to worry about the passing game. And Austin Eckler might have a field day. Who knows? But they right. got to get it. They got to get it stopped because we know the Patriots. You remember that 45 to 7 game a year ago? It mm-hmm. was almost like Belichick's, I'm running the ball every play of the game, you know? Yeah. And they just steamrolled the Browns. And, I don't know why they wouldn't try that again, especially if Mac Jones isn't a hundred percent, even if he plays, I see that he practiced today, believe it or not. Wow. Okay. Well, we got to do something. I, I don't know. Can the, uh, can you cheat up some safeties, uh, you know, Delpit or something like that and have him help a little bit against the run, something along those lines, you know, to give Phillips some help. Well, I, I that's what I'm saying with the chargers. They're so heavy in passing you even want to, you know, you sacrifice a secondary guy, you know, to stop the run. Um, and then, because last year, that's where they had their, they had the blown coverages. You remember Mike Williams 
You know, you still see him right. in your in your nightmares, him running free <laughs> in that game. Right. So I don't know. I, I can see Dell putting Harrison, haven't heard his name much, or Johnson, moving him up a little bit and see if they can get, you know, something to fill those gaps because I mean, that was embarrassing to just say, you know what, we're just gonna run it right down your throat, try to stop us. Mm. And they couldn't stop them. I've never yeah. I haven't seen an NFL team 10 straight runs for 75 yards and a touchdown. Usually you know, they get it going, then they throw the pass, you know, play it. They just said, you know, we're just going to run it until you stop it. And they never did. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, specifically, the the Chargers have a 2.7 yard per rush average, uh, which they're going to try to improve this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, maybe the philosophy there is uh, who needs to run when you got Justin Herbert, you know? Herbert uh, tops all QBs in passing yards right now. He is number one in the NFL with over a thousand yards in the first four games um, or tw- over 1200, I think in the first four games. Um, 1250. And 1250. And he ripped the Browns for 400 yards and about 400 yards and four TDs the last time they played this juggernaut coming into town. We're here worried about the run based on what the Falcons did, um, you're right. You know, it's going to affect Joe Wood's strategy to have this guy come into town, rib injury or no. Um, and he looked very good against the, the Houston Texans last weekend. Um, well, here's a, here's a comment. I watched that game with you last year, and you remember every time it seemed like the Browns had them stopped, Herbert took off running, and mm-hmm. he was running all over the field. I was just looking at his statistics. It might be because of the injury, but he's carried the ball 11 times for four yards. So that means he's just kneeling his longest run, seven yards. He had multiple yardage of 10, 15, 20 yards against the Browns on third down. They'd cover them deep and he took off and it was killing them that whole game. So if that rib injury does nothing more than, keep him from running, that mm-hmm. would be a big plus. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to buckle down in the secondary for sure. And that's where you got to have some pass rush. I mean, you've had – you had one sack the other day and mm-hmm. one the previous week. So that's where you got to get Garrett and preferably him and Clowney back and, and find a way to get to him. If they feel like he's not a threat to run, then that would be the prime – to blitzing, you know, and, right. and just get after him and try to make him get rid of it before he wants to, because you're right. He's, he's deadly. Yeah. Uh, big guy, big arm makes good decisions, you know, good accuracy. There's, there's not really holes in his game uh, that, uh, that I'm aware of. Um, but uh, I, I think John Johnson said something similar to what, you were just talking about in that in the tape, uh, Herbert looks good passing the ball, but might be a little bit reluctant uh, running the football because of, you know, trying to avoid injury uh, because of the hit the rib situation. So that might give the Browns a little bit of an edge. It's the first hopeful thing I've heard <laughs> all day that the Browns might have something that, that they can, uh, that they can deal with. Um we did get a little bit of extra help today. Uh, tight end Farrow Brown, who's in his fifth season out of Oregon, has rejoined the Browns. Uh, and uh, he was here a few years ago uh, and was a favorite target, if I remember, of Deshaun Watson's when he was with the Texans. Um, how soon, Fred, do you think that he can start to contribute, can start to uh, start to help? Well, I think that um, I like the move. I think, you know, when Jesse James was lost for the season, I think they were looking to get a veteran that could come in, a blocking tight end. He was no more as a blocking tight end. But I think that he can catch the ball, and I think he could be active as soon as this week. I mean, they Mm -hmm. brought up Miller Forrestal last week. If they feel that he's got enough of a handle, um, 
to be active this week. I think you might see him. If not, for sure, I would think for the Patriots game. Right. But he's here at the beginning of the week. I'm sure he's getting, you know, force fed and a few plays, you know, here and there. But right. Brush High School from Lynn Hurst. So he's yeah. a local guy. And uh, I, I looked up to try to find out why they released him. He was their starting tight end. He was their leading receiver tight end. So- All right. Uh, Fred has dropped out uh, because of some internet issues, it appears. Uh, he was talking a little bit about Pharaoh Brown. Uh, and uh, uh, Pharaoh Brown has 46 receptions with 433 yards uh, over the years and uh, uh, got seven receptions last year. Hey, Fred, you're back. You were talking a little bit about Pharaoh Brown and and his ability to to join in the fun this weekend. Yeah, I don't know where I lost, but yeah, he was their starter with the Texans and and the best I could tell is they decided to move on from him to make room for a third round pick mm-hmm. Aikens to take over and be. And so I think it's a good move. I think he's got experience. He's a big guy. He can help block. And, and I think he could be a target, another one to go with, you know, Harrison Bryan and Najoku. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see how that goes uh, this weekend. If he, uh, starts to contribute. I remember him contributing a bit when he was here a few years ago. A um, couple questions. Uh, let's go to the the questions that we got. Um, first question is from Superfly Rob. I think we covered this already. He says, Clowney fully committed. He is always coddled and waits to sign contracts. And uh, he does seem to play the contract game to the very last minute, doesn't he, Fred? Uh, every Every year. And uh, I don't think we've ever gotten a handle on exactly why that is. Yeah, I just think he's sorting out his options. I think also he doesn't necessarily want to go to the offseason program. You know, when you sign mm-hmm. with a team, you you know, they want you to come in. And I think he, he knows ultimately that somebody's, you know, going to pay him at least eight to 10 million to play for one year. And so he he almost seems to be the epitome of the mercenary, you know, like, yeah, um, I think this year he didn't want to really come back to the Browns unless until they made the trade for Watson and, and then kind of changed his tune. He liked him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've been saying since they got him last year that they need to get the answer opposite Miles Garrett long-term, a young guy. And I thought Tack McKinley was going to be that guy, and I think he mm-hmm. was heading that way yeah. when he tore his Achilles in that Raiders game. And you can't really commit to a free agent if he's not going to play. I think that, you know, he got picked up by the Titans, you know, on the practice squad, and I don't think he's ready to play yet, but – then the Rams signed him off the practice squad, I think, to stash him or something. Yeah. I don't think he's – maybe he's playing. I don't know. But anyway, they've got to – whether it's Alex Wright or Isaiah Thomas, I don't know. But I just don't think you can count on Jadavian Clowney. I mean, you knew it going in this season. It just seems like there's always something with him. Um, injury, you know, thing week after week. It just – even in training camp – I'd see him on the bike one day, then I'd see him practice. I'd see him not practicing. There was like right. a couple of weeks before the season that he wasn't practicing. And every day the coach said, he's just being rested. You know, he never okay. said there was an injury. And I'm like, he had to be the most rested guy I ever saw. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah. This is, this is not going to be Jadavian Clowney's favorite broadcast. I don't think, um, if he, if he ever watches this one. Uh, Fumble 13 asks, did they demote Forrestal back to the practice squad when they signed Brown? I hadn't heard that they transaction. Didn't have to, they didn't they had have an to. open roster spot. 
because they put Jerome Ford on injured reserve, the rookie running back right. on injured reserve, injured his foot, and they didn't they didn't put somebody on there until Brown was signed. So gotcha. they're at fifty three right now. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Superfly. Uh, he asks, "Has Miles heard any of the frustration the fans have voiced?" about not being a good example of leadership on the team. Have we heard any intimations of that, or does everything seem fine from, from Miles' perspective? Um, I mean, you're, as far as his lifestyle, I mean, that's going to be up to him. I, I have no idea. He said that this really made him think, but I don't know if he'll change. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you should get a Honda Accord or something, you know, that's, you know, has a governor in it. But, um, you know, these guys, you know, I've been around them that much that, you know, they're human. They hear the booze, but they don't really understand why somebody that's spending their hard earned money is so frustrated to see mm. them lose a 13 point lead in the last minute. You know, it's not that they are you know, against the Browns. It's just, they can't, they don't know what else to do. You know, they're, they cannot believe that happened. Um, and it just seems to continually go. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, when he got banned indefinitely from the league for swinging his helmet, um, you would have thought when he come back, he would like kiss the ground every day and say, Thank the Lord that I got another opportunity, but mm-hmm. it's business as usual, you know? And, yeah. and I can't say he's different from a lot of them. He doesn't seem to be the guy that really innately wants to be a leader. He seems like a real quiet, introverted guy. Since he's mm-hmm. been there, he's obviously taken on that more and more, but he still doesn't feel, seem to be that comfortable Right. Talking and 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 being a leader. He he wants to, you know, go out and do his thing. But um, so I don't I don't know how totally to answer that question other than you're going to just have to see, you know, some guys, you know, grow up and become get really serious about things in their own way. Right. Right. And Miles is such a gifted athlete. You know, he's been his entire entire life, you know, uh, all the way back in college. And, and now, uh, you know, he's been able to get by on, on that and be a star and be very, very well paid and, uh, may not see the need to change. I don't know. Uh, OG Philly writes in, he says, Fred, I saw a few reports about Taki Taki playing in the nickel. Have you heard anything about this? We've got all those safeties. Why? I don't know. Yeah. I- I haven't, um, and we don't see what they're doing in practice, and there's been no talk about it. I thought I saw him line up on the outside the other day in a pass rush. I don't know if that's what he was doing, but he did. He was a pass rusher at Brigham Young, and I thought mm-hmm. maybe they would use him to help out since they were down Clowney and Garrett the other day, but I haven't heard him anything in the nickel. They got other guys I think they would – use in there they might use him a little more in the middle linebacker you know if need be yeah exactly and that's that takes us to our next question from uh riffer x he said would they consider playing kunisik at mike since uh phillips is horrible in uh riffer's opinion and phillips uh, did not get a good pff grade if i remember correctly uh in fact got pretty bad one yeah, Kunisik, I kind of like him. I didn't see a lot of him. He came in at the end of training camp. He's showed up on special teams and he's made some plays when he's in there. I would I wouldn't have a problem giving him a shot. Uh they signed Jermaine Carter, who's a veteran to the practice squad mm-hmm. uh, linebacker last week, you know, and he could be a guy that could be brought up as well. Um it's I know they they are trying everything to get Phillips to step step up and play to the ability that they think he can play because of his athleticism. But, you know, 
we'll see. We'll see what they do. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on to talk about preseason phenom Sam Kamara. The Browns seem to be taking chances on these guys who uh, did very well in, uh, uh, you know, other football leagues or in preseason. They're, it seems like they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. But Sam Kamara, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Fred, he's a rookie out of Stony Brook of all places. Is that correct? Or did he uh, transfer and play somewhere else? Do you remember? As I read in the bio, Stony Brook, and he played eight games with the Bears last year, so he, he can't be a rookie. Oh, okay. I don't know what, what preseason phenom. I don't even know where he was. Was he with the Bears? or He he led the league in quarterback hurries during the preseason oh, is okay. what, with I, who? what I read. With the Bears? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. All I know is he's a preseason phenom. That's, well, he got that's cut, my bio so... on him. <laughs> I, I assumed when I saw his height and weight that he was a defensive tackle. I think he's six foot two seventy five. Mm-hmm. The Browns listed him as a defensive end. So, yeah, they're you know they they valued him higher than Curtis Weaver, and we know how many chances they gave Curtis Weaver. I mean, they yeah. kept bringing him back, kept kept bringing him around. So. Okay, Superfly says he was with the Bears. So that's – I saw he played eight games with the Bears last year as a rookie out of Stony Brook undrafted. So they must have been loaded or didn't think that he was all that. Or sometimes, like we see, guys like John Kelly end up, you know, getting 45 carries a game, you know. Right. <laughs> and they have the stats because it's kind of filling up the the timesheet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, let's go to another question. This one's from uh, Kevin Cycle 18. He asks, is there an issue with JOK? He really seems to be much less effective lately. This is supposed to be a breakout year for JOK. It doesn't seem to be that way to date, does it, Fred? I know last week he had that groin injury, and I actually wasn't sure he was going to play, but then I saw him make a shooting tackle for loss, and that's what you're expecting to see more and mm-hmm. more. And, yeah. and that was pretty much it. Yeah, I kind of agree. I was expecting him to be like that guy all over the field, like a missile, making those tackles for losses and sacking the quarterback on blitzes and stuff. Um, I know the one game that that he, he said it was his assignment that I think it was the game, was it the Jets? He gave up a touchdown on right before the half because um, he said that was on me. So it tells me he's still thinking. He's not just playing instinctively. Mm-hmm. So I've been a little underwhelmed with him. I mean, I expected him, you know, the way he dropped. Most people thought he was going to be a first-round pick. Everybody thought Brown's got a first-round pick in the second round. He's just going to be like, you know, like a phenom. And he, and he still – should be a great player, but I just want to see more of it. I'm not seeing game-changing plays out of really anybody on the defense. Right, right. Yeah, I, I saw JOK make a couple of good plays, but then the, the ratings came out and uh, he did not do all that well. So a couple flashes uh, last Sunday. Hopefully we see more of those against the Chargers coming up here. Um Let's go to another question. This is from D-Dubs927. He says, hey, Fred, Jake says John Johnson III seems disinterested at times. Do you think Coach giving him the green dot would make him feel more involved like he was with the Rams? I wouldn't hurt. I mean, I I don't get that, that he was – he did that with the Rams, and they were the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Right. Seems like he ought to be able to handle it here. Um, I would think that would maybe inspire him more, but also just so they didn't have so many breakdowns in the back end. Maybe <clears throat> I don't know where those are coming from, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd mix things up. You know, you just can't just say, okay, Jacob, you're the new guy, and, you know, and then never take him out if, right. if he's not producing. So, 
Yeah, I mean, Johnson's more of a leadership. The guys look up to him. It seemed to be natural to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good question, D-Dubs. Appreciate it. Um, let's go to a question from Superfly. He asks, why did they not call a timeout that series? And I think that series that he's referring to is when they were running amok with the run, the seven runs for 70-some-odd yards. Why not take a timeout, get your act together for a second, and go back out there, Fred? Uh, you don't see that as much in the NFL uh, when things aren't going your way, but maybe that would have been a time to do it. Yeah, it is. That was a critical critical time in the game. And um, you see it in the NBA or any basketball game. I mean, momentum, as soon as team gets anything going, they call a timeout. Stefanski was asked about that, and he said they're too valuable. We only have three of them. So he mm-hmm. felt like he needed to save them for end of the game. And – they just lived with it, but I, I kind of think that yeah, you might get into some, you come out there, all of them, get them around and getting all their faces, man up. You know, you're you're getting pushed around by a practice squad kid. You know, right. that wants it more than you guys do. You a lot of you playing out here is your first opportunity. It might be your last. Show me you can do this. You know, I don't know. Give them give them one for the Gipper speech and try to hold that team to a field goal. If you could have, then you would have probably won the game or yet, right. you know, you lost by three and they got a touchdown on that drive. Yeah. It, it's uh, uh, as Justin notes here from YouTube, he says, uh, Stefanski never calls timeouts for our defense, you know, almost never, um, which may be true, but uh, in addition, he's just so analytical, you know, I just can't see him giving the, you know, get one for the Gipper you know, type speech, you know, it just doesn't seem in his nature. Uh, I don't know if Joe Woods would, you know, but uh, uh, just doesn't seem like the sort of thing that we would get from our team here. Um, let's uh, let's uh, go to a question I brought with me from uh, uh, Ask the Insiders. This comes from MA Web 31 He says, as an OSU fan, I was excited when they drafted Tommy Togiai, but he has been pretty underwhelming. Uh, how did any of the insiders grade him coming out relative to where he was drafted and how he's performed thus far? It felt like a good pick at the time, but I'm biased. Uh, by and large, do you think that they're getting out of Togi what they expected for where they drafted him? Uh, or did they think that they had a, had a steal? I think he was a third rounder, uh, third or fourth, I, I forget. Um, but fourth rounder. Um, do you think that they felt they got a steal for him at the time or – is this sort of what you expected from Togi? I don't think it's a steal. I don't know if he was rated that high. I don't remember him being a stud at OSU. He was kind of a rotational guy, at least, mm-hmm. you know, just watching him. But I know our, our people do film. He's been very underwhelming, not playing well at all. And, you know, you kind of get what you pay for. They have not invested in defensive tackles. If you look at it since – Barry's been here. He had Sheldon Richardson let him walk in free agency. He was still under contract and they released him to save the money. Mm-hmm. And they drafted Elliott in the third round the first year. The second draft, they drafted Togiai in the fourth round. This year, they drafted Winfrey in the fourth round. So no picks higher than a third round and no free agents other than Taven Bryan, who is, a, I think, a one year contract guy not a big investment so right they they just are not that they just are not seem to be that concerned about getting run stopping defensive tackles Mm -hmm. we have people that have said there's guys available you know and i just don't think they're interested in bringing in nadamika sue and or or some you know veteran that's just sitting at home right now yeah, uh, the analytics apparently says don't invest there uh, because it, it's a continuing trend for the team not to invest a lot, you know, up the middle uh, with uh, the interior defensive line and uh, middle linebacker and so forth. Uh, they did spend a third on Phillips, but uh, uh, just doesn't seem to be a lot of focus. At any rate, uh, I just want to thank people who were hanging with us tonight. Uh, for uh, showing up after a 
rough week for the Cleveland Browns. You guys are the diehards. We love you and appreciate you uh, coming out to join us and appreciate your questions and all that sort of stuff. Hopefully we'll have uh, more companions here next week after the Browns beat the Chargers, uh, which they will hopefully do. Uh, And I want to thank Fred for his wisdom and insight as always. So thank you, Fred. And we will see you here next week for OBR Weekly. Catch you then.